0: The Pittsburgh Steelers lost their first game to the Baltimore Ravens since Devlin Hodges was starting. I'm your host, Jeffrey Benedict. Welcome to the Cutting Room Floor. Now, looking at the basic stats of this game, it's very easy to jump to the conclusion that the difference in the run game was the difference in this game. The Ravens ran all over the Steelers the Steelers couldn't establish the run, Ravens win. Simple as that. And for a long time in the NFL, that was true, but that actually hasn't been true for a while now. And this very matchup, Ravens-Steelers, is one of the best examples of that. In the last five games, since 2020, right? 2019, Devlin Hodges is the starter for the last week of the season that awful game against the Ravens where they just, just it was awful. Since then, the Steelers and Ravens have played 5 times, including this week. The Ravens have outrushed the Steelers 965 yards to 345 yards in those games. It's the Ravens are 35 yards off from 200 yards a game in those games. That's how much success the Ravens have had running the ball against the Steelers since the start of the 2020 season. The Steelers have gained 345 yards. That's a 620-yard margin of difference. Almost triple the Steelers' rushing yards. They have a 5-2 to two advantage in rushing touchdowns in those games. So it's not just they're moving the ball, but they're not scoring. No, they average a rushing touchdown a game against the Steelers. The Steelers have two in the last five games. And one was in this game. Najee Harris scored a rushing touchdown in this game. And their four wins over the Ravens, they had one rushing touchdown. The Ravens had four. The Ravens overall are one in four in these games. They're outrushing the Steelers by almost a three to one margin, and they have won one of those four games. In fact, this game was a two point margin. This was a two point margin in a game where they threw two interceptions while inside field goal range and had a field goal blocked. The run game is not the difference here. Now, it is a problem, yes. And if the Steelers had been able to stop the run as well, maybe maybe that's the difference in the game. Maybe it could have been. But the fact that the Steelers were outrushed has not been a problem at all against the Ravens. So what is the difference this time? What is the difference? And I want to look at a very specific stat that has been a storyline this entire season, especially early in the season. If you remember, Matt Canada's offense, they don't attack the middle of the field. That's That's been a case. That's been a thing. It was the case in 2021. It was the case early in 2022. Let's look at some numbers here. When you look at uh, the first eight games, right, uh, Mitch Trubisky had thrown thirty passes in the middle of the field, completed eighteen of them. That's sixty percent. That's not good. For two hundred fifty-four yards, it's a little over eight yards per attempt. That's that's not bad at all. That's that's really good. But he had one touchdown and two interceptions in that time. Before the pie, Kenny Pickett in his games had thrown twenty-five passes through the middle of the field. Completed 16, that's around 64% completions. 179 yards, that's right around 8 yards, 7 yards. 7 yards uh, an attempt, 0 touchdowns, 2 interceptions. 1 touchdown, 4 interceptions, 7.5 yards per attempt. Since the bye week, Kenny Pickett has thrown 28 passes over the middle of the field, Completed 21 of percent of 21 of them, that's 75% for 205 yards, one touchdown, zero interceptions. That is a 107 quarterback rating. He has the 15th most attempts across the middle of the field, and that's counting this week where he missed this game, most of this game. And the fact that the Steelers haven't been throwing the ball as much. But he is the 15th most attempts. Among people with at least 25 plus throws since week nine, Kenny Pickett has the fifth best passer rating. Fifth best. Throwing over the middle. The team throws over the middle now, and they're doing it well with Kenny Pickett. Mitch Trubisky comes into this game. He throws eight passes to the middle of the field. That's a lot for a single game. Completes. Five of them, sixty-two point five percent right around where he was before, for fifty-eight yards, right you know, not bad. One touchdown, two interceptions. The difference in this game between winning and losing to me was Mitch Trubisky throwing over the middle of the field. And while I just went through stats, I want to bring in the the, the film to it here. He consistently has shown, in Chicago, here in Pittsburgh, that when he throws over the middle of the field, he is often not aware of the peripheral defense. What I mean by that is he'll see his receiver running a route, but he's not the most aware of where the rest of the defense is. And you saw that on his one interception where he let, let a receiver straight to a linebacker. Like The linebacker was closer to the ball and had a better shot at it than the receiver did. We also see him overthrow players, and I think that is a product of the first problem, where he doesn't see the field around as well, and so he throws the ball harder. Because if you're trying to fit a ball into a narrow window, or you're throwing a more dangerous ball, you throw it harder. It gets there quicker. The defense has less time to react, and it's a harder ball to catch. So you just rifle the ball in there. If you're making a more dangerous throw. You don't throw it nice and soft when it's into traffic in the middle of the field. With him rifling the ball, he will tend to just sail it over people's head. He is very arm-heavy in his mechanics. That's what happens when you push the ball with your arm. It goes high. It makes sense. Mitch Trubisky is not good throwing the ball over the middle of the field... But it's not, it's, it's not a problem of the throws he makes. If you take him for this season, Mitch Trubisky hasn't been good over the middle of the field, but he's completed 23 of 38 passes, right around 60%, 312 yards. That's 8.2 yards per attempt. That's good. That's not bad at all. 312 yards on 38 attempts, that's not bad. He has two touchdowns, he also has four interceptions. Over 10%. When your interception rate is over 10%, you've got a problem. And Mitch Trubisky's interception rate, throwing over the middle of the field, is over 10%. That's a problem. That's a big problem. That's how you lose games. And that numbers, it's good, other than the interceptions. If that interceptions was one, Mitch Trubisky would be a really good passer over the middle of the field. Four, two touchdowns, one interception, 8.2 yards per attempt. Man, you take that over the middle of the field. That's not bad at all. But those four interceptions ruin that. And, and that's this game. Right. If you look at this loss to the Ravens, you look at what Mitch Trubisky was doing with the ball. He had a really good game outside of three passes. In the same way that you could say Neil O'Donnell had a really good game in Super Bowl 30, man, they were right in it. If you take away those two passes, you know exactly the ones I'm talking about. Neil O'Donnell had a really good game. Mitch Trubisky, in the same way, if you took away three passes, had a really good game this week. Those three passes were awful. Were absolutely awful. The one he threw downfield, if you're going to lead a player that far down the field and say, you know what, I'll just put it up and see if he can get under it. You know the old throw the ball, just throw it up there and see if they can get under it. You know, Don't throw it where the cornerback has a shot at it. Throw it where only the receiver can get it. And if the receiver breaks free and gets it, great. Huge play. If not, meh, it falls incomplete. The only problem with that was Mitch Trubisky was not aware of the deep safety. You don't throw that ball when there is a safety deeper than your receiver. Because then you have a center fielder. You have a, you have a fly ball to the outfield with a center fielder, Right? If that guy's not out there, shoot, take your chance. But that guy, he's there. He's going to make the play. If you overthrow that receiver, the safety's going to be there. He takes that throw. The three interceptions he had were were throws made where if you are aware of the defense, you don't make that throw. Trubisky makes that throw three times in this game. That's the main difference on, on, on the Steelers' offense to me. Ravens are a good run defense. They stepped up. They had a good game. Offensive line struggled a bit. The running back struggled a bit. Also, Steelers gave up on the run. They gave up on it. Let me explain. With Kenny Pickett starting the game, the Steelers' first two drives, and they tried four pass plays and four run plays. The four pass plays, one throw actually occurred. There was the sack. There was an incomplete pass, and there were two scrambles. One of those scrambles being for a first down. Then the Steelers take out Pickett, put in Trubisky. Trubisky's first drive sees four passes and two runs. Uh, One run gained one yard. Trubisky threw the bomb to Pickens, the pass interference penalty in the end zone, and then the one-yard Najee Harris. The drive after that, the Steelers ran the ball six times for 22 yards through three passes. The last one was intercepted. At the point, Mitch Trubisky threw that interception, which was a not a good throw, right? That was a throw you shouldn't make. It was not a smart throw to make. At that point, the Steelers had ran the ball 14 times for 52 yards and with the touchdown, and they'd thrown it eight times for 71 yards and that big pass interference penalty, and also a sack. So you have 10 pass plays, one of which was a no-play pass interference. Uh, One's a sack, 8 throws, 71 yards. Almost 9 yards an attempt. They'd ran the ball 14 times for 52 yards, less than 4 yards per attempt, but not by It's 3.5, 3.7, something like that, yards per attempt. After that interception... The Steelers, the next 36 minutes of the game, threw the ball 22 times and ran it six times. They got away from the run game entirely after Mitch Trubisky throws his first interception. That's baffling to me. Why you say, okay, well, our quarterback threw a really dumb interception. Uh, Let's stop running the ball. (laughs) Like. That's that's your solu- that's your move. That's the move you make right there. And going into the second half, Mitch Trubisky had followed that that drive where he threw the interception with the 1 minute drive. They've 1 minute on the clock, they get the ball, moving downfield, throws an interception again. That was another that was one where he just did not see Patrick Queen. And that's your half. The Steelers come out with the ball in the second half and throw it a bunch. And they continue to. And they continue to. They just immediately give up on the run game. And at this point, it's a 10, it's a it's a 13 to seven game. It's a one score game. You don't need to throw the ball all over the place. But the Steelers did. If you want to blame coaching, right there. You can blame that on the coaching staff. The, the offensive execution, I mean, if you take away those three interceptions, which are purely Mitch Trubisky. Like, it, like seriously, I, I, I post those on Twitter, but... If you blame the coaches for Mitch Trubisky's interceptions, then you need to go apologize to Neil O'Donnell as a Steelers fan. Because they were that bad. They were just bad interceptions. Quarterbacks on every play have options. When to throw, who to throw to, whether to throw or not. There is no play that gets sent into a quarterback. That is, you will throw this route at this point. No matter what the defense is. There there are zero plays in the NFL that are like that. Quarterbacks have options. Mitch Trubisky three times took terrible, terrible options. That is on him. Going away from the run game, you can blame that on coaching staff. I didn't like it. I think it really cost him in the second half. <sighs> but that's me. I don't I don't get to make those decisions. All right, that is our first half of the show, covering the offense. When we get back, we will talk about the defense. You may be surprised. I know I was. Looking through this game with a little more detail, looking at the film, looking at snap counts, looking at stats, what I found about the Pittsburgh Steelers' defense, stay tuned, and we'll be right back to talk about it. Welcome back, Steeler fans. I'm your host, Jeffrey Benedict. You're listening to The Cutting Room Floor. The Cutting Room Floor is brought to you, as always, by BehindTheSteelCurtain.com and the Behind the Steel Curtain family of podcasts. Some of the shows I listen to frequently throughout the week, uh, the Steeler Stat Geek is one of my favorite shows. Dave Schofield finds some really interesting numbers. Uh, that I always I always wish I had found I love if you if you've listened to the show enough you know I love going into stats uh, as much as this film is about, as much as this show is about film I talk a lot about stats because I think you need both really I, I think with with if you're just watching film you can get caught up on one or two plays right and not see the overall game if you're just looking at stats you can see the results but you you can't always tell why it happened right and sometimes conclusions you can draw from statistics are misleading because you you're not looking at the why and the how they happened uh, so I love both but but the stats that Dave Schofield comes up with are, are often really fascinating to me uh, he's one of my favorite shows every week make sure you check out Steelers the stat geek right where you listen to this podcast you can find it It's on there. It's a great show. First half of the show, we talked about the offense, focusing on, talked about the run game. We talked about Mitch Trubisky throwing over the middle of the field and how bad he is at it compared to, you know, Kenny Pickett since the bye has been very good. We're going to talk now about the defense. And we're going to start with the fact that the defense got gashed in the run game a second time in a row. Against the Atlanta Falcons, one of the main culprits was guys just not playing well. And two of the big, big reasons the Steelers struggled, especially Atlanta was beating them by running outside, running to the outside, was T.J. Watt and Alex Highsmith. T.J. Watt with his ribs clearly giving him trouble. He often, after plays, he's holding his ribs, and you could see Offensive linemen love, because it's his, it's his left side ribs, he lines up on the left side. So when he heads inside, he has to expose those ribs to you. So if you're running inside, and you get T.J. Watt heading that direction, they would put their hand right into his rib cage and push him, right? And if you've got sore ribs and you get someone pushing on it, that hurts. It's much harder to fight through when you have that direct pain on that side. And we saw we saw TJ Watt getting pushed through plays and getting, you know, out of position because he was getting driven through those ribs. That's how football goes. If you've got a weakness, people are going to attack it. Alex Highsmith on the other side was clearly hobbled a bit. He was limping some, uh, didn't have the explosiveness we're used to seeing, and teams were able to attack him. And also Cameron Hayward, who had a who had an uncharacteristically bad game in the run defense against the Falcons. We move on to the Baltimore game here, and T.J. Watt has a much better game. Alex Highsmith has a much better game. Cameron Hayward is actually worse. I It's, it's surprising to me because it's so uncharacteristic. We saw it earlier in the season when Cam Hayward wasn't quite himself for, for a few games. He had been hurt. He was banged up. Then he kind of bounced back. And now we're seeing him drop off again. I I don't know if this is an age thing. Maybe he's got some bumps and bruises and they just don't heal as fast and they nag a little bit more than they used to. I don't know if this is us finally seeing him decline to the point that he just can't dominate like he used to. I mean, I'm seeing him lose one-on-one matchups with linemen. When this guy was famous for, for taking a lineman with one hand and just holding them. Just holding them at bay. And they couldn't move Cam Hayward. And he's only has one hand on the offensive lineman. The offensive lineman can't do anything with him. That's what we're used to with Cameron Hayward. That's not what we're seeing right now. Hopefully, hopefully it's a nagging injury, something like that. And he he bounces back. It's happened before. Oh, I'm a huge Cam Hayward fan. And the idea of him not being himself anymore just really hurts. That's that one hurts you. Because he's He's one of my favorite Steelers of all time now right up there with Heinz Ward Rod Woodson James Ferrier, Cameron Hayward these are these are my these are the guys I absolutely love and uh it hurts a guy a guy surprisingly I have to shout this out because I've I have landed into him so many times uh and I've said that when you see a big run play go in the film and watch Chris Wormley he's almost always on the field getting blown out of position when the other team gets a huge run this game against the Ravens, he played incredibly. I saw Chris Wormley take on double teams and do better than Cam Hayward was doing against a single blocker. That's ridiculous. I've never seen that before. This is something I would never expect to see, but Chris Wormley played a heck of a game. Wormley didn't play that many snaps, though. And, outside, and, and overall, the Steelers' defensive line was losing to the Ravens. Their linebackers were struggling. Uh, Devin Bush didn't have a good game. Robert Spillane, there's at least a few plays I can point to where he didn't he didn't do very well. Uh, of course, I don't have the coaches' film yet. I don't have the all twenty-two film to get better angles. The big run uh, by Dobbins, that big gain he broke to open the the touchdown scoring for the Ravens and really you know get their run game going. Uh, Robert Spillane looked from the angle I had. On the television, looks like he runs behind TJ Watt while TJ Watt is trying to set the edge and opens up that just off tackle lane wide open. Devin Bush has never been a great run defender. He gets to spots, he does, but he's not. He doesn't have the size. He doesn't have the knack for it. He's just not by nature a run defender. And he's improved to be mostly solid, but there's plays he gets blown out of there. He is. If he, if a offensive line uh, gets a good angle on Devin Bush, he's done. He's done. He's 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 way too small to be doing that kind of thing. He's much better in coverage and running laterally, which I understand you want that against the Ravens. Normally, this game the Ravens really attacked the offensive line and ran, ran on the defensive line. They didn't. They weren't just going outside. They were. They were going all over the place on the Steelers, and Devin Bush didn't have a great game. Miles Jack played less than either of the other two inside linebackers. He played the least of any Steeler inside linebacker. Now, I understand why his snaps have been dropping. Uh, a couple of weeks ago, he was the Steelers, depending on who you look at, he was either one of the Steelers' most targeted defenders or the Steelers' most targeted defender in coverage. Miles Jack was being targeted by other teams. And attacked in coverage because he doesn't, he's not that good at it. That's a weakness of his. So the Steelers are trying to protect him. And it's worked. He hasn't been attacked, he hasn't been targeted as much. But when you've got the Atlanta Falcons and the Baltimore Ravens, maybe you want Miles Jack's run defense, you know? And don't need to worry, you you might have to live with him not being as good in coverage. And just play him anyways. You know, run defense being kind of big, kind of a big deal. The Steelers move in this game. Their strategy to defend the run was to be heavy. They averaged almost three defensive linemen a snap in this game. They played seven different defensive linemen, including both uh, Isaiah Loudermilk and DeMarvin Leal to go with their normal staple of Cam, Larry Ogunjobi, uh, Chris Wormley, Montrevious Adams, and Tyson Alualu. They played seven defensive linemen in this game. They averaged almost three per snap. They played a, their safeties a lot. Both Edmonds and Fitzpatrick played the whole game. Kazi played over 50% of the game. And the Steelers played... Their cornerbacks, a lot less. A lot less than normal. Cameron Sutton played the entire game. 61 defensive snaps. All other cornerbacks combined played 39. They had a bunch of plays where there was only one cornerback on the field. Steelers don't do that. They don't do that much at all. Not when they had Joe Hayden, not before then, not, you know, not when they had Joe Hayden, not when they had Ike Taylor, not when they had any of those guys. They weren't doing that. They did that in this game. Terrell Edmonds was lined up outside as a corner. I think Kazi did it a few times, but mostly it was Edmonds, lined up as a cornerback to help their run defense. And the, the Ravens weren't like taking all their receivers off the field. They were playing two receivers. The Steelers just countered by being super big. And saying we don't care, we we dare you to throw on us with Tyler Huntley. We dare you to throw on us with Brown, you know, Kenny Pickett's childhood uh, nemesis in Pee Wee football. <laughs> like they were they were daring the Ravens to throw on them, and saying we're just going to be bigger than you. We're going to put our guys in here and just be bigger than you are, and stop your run. And they still failed. To me, again, if you're looking at the defensive coordinator, and you're saying, well, what did they do? They didn't make any adjustments. Well, oh, they did make adjustments. They took cornerbacks off the field, they stopped playing cornerbacks, they put extra linemen on the field. You had essentially a front eight for a decent chunk of this game. It didn't matter. It didn't matter. There's there's only so many adjustments you can make with Scheme. At some point, players got to win a matchup. That didn't happen this week. It didn't happen on offense. That didn't happen on defense. Special teams got a field goal blocked. Had a 17-yard punt. Had a punt that was short to begin with, then bounced like, what, 20 yards? Backwards? To record as a 17-yard punt? How crazy was that? It was like everything went wrong. This game. Which in the end to me is fitting. Because look at those four wins we had in a row against the Ravens. The amount of games where the Steelers played bad enough to lose. But won. In that stretch. It's not small. They were winning games. They should have lost. And this game, the Steelers had so many chances to win it. They had three times the ball is inside field goal range. Well, well within Chris Boswell's field goal range. And on three of those drives, they came away with two interceptions and a blocked field goal. And they lost by two points. I mean, this—that's the game we're talking about. This is this is this is karma, coming back on you. Ben Roethlisberger's not out there, and you're losing to the Ravens. Ben got four straight wins over the Ravens. To end his career, awesome. That's freaking awesome. But on the other hand, uh, now now we we paid for it a little bit with this game. Because we lost a game where we had every chance to win and just managed to lose. And you look at those last four wins against the Ravens. We had a lot of times where the Ravens had a shot to win and just didn't. That's going to be my show for today. It's a little bit shorter, but this this game really, to me, was clear. There's not a lot of questions, not a lot of things unanswered. It's just kind of surprising that the steelers managed to lose this game. Well, there's still some weeks left. Steelers can still uh salvage something of the season. 9 and 8 is still in the cards. Just got to, you know, not lose again. The next time the steelers lose a game, Mike Tomlin will have his first losing season. If you're rooting for that, there you go. You got that to root for. Uh, I'm not myself. I'd love to see the Steelers go 4-0 to end this season. And uh, we'll see if that happens. As always, thank you so much for listening. Make sure you're tuning in to all the podcasts on Behind the Steel Curtain's family of podcasts. And clicking over to BehindTheSteelCurtain.com. Reading all our fun articles over there. Keeping up to date on all your Steelers news. Things like Kenny Pickett's injury status, <laughs> if Mitch Trubisky is going to start again, maybe Mason Rudolph will see play time. Although I'm kind of rooting for Mason Rudolph to not play this week and then somehow be involved in the Christmas Eve game, just for the Rudolph driving the team after taking over during Christmas Eve is is just too ridiculous for me. I love it, so I'm hoping that happens somehow. Uh, Not in any bad way. Not in anyone getting hurt or something like that, and he has to. Just, I'd love to see that storyline actually happen. It would be absurd and ridiculous, and I'd love it. Anyways, thank you so much for listening. As always, have a great week, and let's go Steelers.